If you're gay, then you're gay. Don't pretend that you're straight. You could be who you are any day of the week. You are unlike the others, so strong and unique. We're all with you. If you're straight, well, that's great. You can help procreate and make gay little babies for the whole human race. Make a world we can live in where the one who you love's not an issue. Cause we're all somewhere in the middle. We're all just looking for love to change the world. Ah. And we're all here in it together. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to IMRU Radio Magazine. The nation's longest-running lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender radio show. I'm Wenzel Jones. I'm Abby Dees. And I'm Steve Pride. You've arrived on a very special night. Tell us more, Doctor. This mm. is the KPFK Fall Fun Drive. No, Fun Drive? I know, it's, it's happens. shocking. Yeah. How lucky of us. But we're going to make it special, and you'll be very glad you tuned in today. Oh, yes. Tell us why. Because we have a <laughs> tasting menu of programming. Ooh. Is you won't it, be bored. Is in fact, like... it is a... An amuse-bouche. Mmm, that sounds yummy. Wait, well, we have a few amuse-bouche bouches. Amuse-bouche. Will we be grazing these delights? Yes. Well, we will be talking to... Um, let's see. Let's go through the menu. All right. We're talking to the director of a film called In the Family... Talking to a director of the film, Big Eden. We're talking to a little sampling of, our, of Abby's talk to Barney Frank. The Barney Frank? The, the Barney, Barney Frank. Frank. And a sampling of my conversation with Michelangelo Signorelli. The Michelangelo Signorelli? Yes. As well as dessert. Oh, and for dessert, we have live in studio no. Nathan Frizzell from Celebration Theater. Very So cool. the other side of the wall, my, he looks delicious. Well, and to get us started with our... Oh, well, let, let, let's oh, 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 I'm sorry. I'm, I'm very excited, you see. We, we are encouraging you to just love us tonight by pledging your dollars to keep us on the air so we can buy things like an on-the-air light, which is broken. It would be nice. A clock. Yes, a clock would be nice. You know, and just actually keep the air conditioning on. Or another microphone to replace the one I that's gone missing since last week. And yeah. hmm. we want you to give because you love us, but because we love you back. We have a few thank you gifts. All right. Well, okay. Steve's looking at me. <laughs> we do have a few. So, for, and these are thank you gifts, right? So, we love you. We just want to say thank you for listening and supporting us in any way that you can. But if you do make a pledge tonight of $50, we are happy to send you as a thank you a DVD of In the Family, which I am told is a beautiful, heartwarming story, a drama. As well as, a, or a Blu-ray of the film Big Eden, which has been just reissued finally. It's, and you it's said, amazing. Steve, it's, that this is one of your faves. It's one of my favorites of yeah. the last two decades. It's, it's just beautiful. It came out in 2000, and it's been away in the vault somewhere, and now Wolf is releasing it on DVD. Well, and it's one of the few films, because you think of all those scratchy indie films on VHS. It's one of the few that was actually filmed on film. It's beautiful, and I can't wait to see it on the big screen. That sounds great. That sounds wonderful. But... 
Is there more? There's more. Wait, there's there's more. more. For a pledge of $100, we will happily send you a copy of the book, Frank, A Life in Politics from the Great Society to Same-Sex Marriage. And that is by former Congressman Barney Frank, who we are going to give you a little taste of in a few minutes. Um, But... $100 $100 gets you an amazing book, really. Uh, it's a, a document of the time that we are in and the changes that are happening so quickly right now in our Or a book by Michelangelo's, Michelangelo's Neuroli. I am losing my ability to speak tonight. We're all struggling. Okay. It's not over. <laughs> Going Beyond Tolerance, Defeating Homophobia, and Winning True Equality. It's a fascinating book, and we'll give you a little taste of Michelangelo tonight. And for a pledge of $200, you can get a season subscription to Celebration Theater, LA's gay theater company that's been in town forever. It's one of the oldest in the nation. And when Nathan comes on, we will discuss what the upcoming shows are in that season. And they all sound enticing. And there's no longer a pole. It's not an exciting new theater. You don't have to sit behind that darn pole. I know that pole. I just, in a way, I wish they'd taken it with them. Is it the IMRU poll? No, 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 no. There was a, there was a poll right. <laughs> no, no. On I the mean, stage. like a literal. Just wondering. No, and every show had to be built around the fact you couldn't see past that poll. And sometimes oh they would incorporate it into the set. Sometimes we all would just pretend it wasn't there. Okay. I know. I remember that one production we saw. Chaz Bono actually danced on the pole. That's true, <laughs> but that was a magical production. Well, anyway, all of this stuff is available as a thank you to you for listening and making a pledge. And we'll be sharing more about these gifts as the um, show goes on. But first, our first amuse-bouche, I'd like to give you a little taste of my interview with Barney Frank a few months ago. Looking back at all of those things, including the financial reform bill, which we call Dodd-Frank, what are you most proud of? Well, the response to the financial reform bill was part of it. The LGBT stuff, there were two things that, that I, I take particular part in. I got to Congress, and there was a ban on people who were gay immigrating to America, and there was a ban on us getting security clearance. And I, I was the one who got rid of both of those. I made them high on, on my agenda. And in the last days of 2010, with Nancy Pelosi in the lead and me as our lieutenant, frankly, if we had not held the defense bill hostage, we would not have succeeded in getting rid of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. The other one is um, a little obscure. I have long believed that building rental housing for low-income people was very important. Yes, there's a problem with if people are very poor, buy homes and they can't keep them. But if you put enough money into decent rental housing, that's very important. I think it's important for education. I don't say you can blame a teacher if she can't teach a kid who's got no decent place to live, who's cold all night, etc. And for 32 years, if you talk to the people who are in the business of helping build low-income rental housing, uh, I think I'm probably their, their best friend. What else are you doing right now in your retire- your active retirement? Well, I, I uh, am a consultant to MSNBC and CNBC, and I appear on, on, uh, on both those. CNBC, to which credit, they're a business station. They don't want to be Fox. So they have me on a lot because they don't want to just have a more conservative element. MSNBC, of course, is, is fun to be on with people who I agree with. I write a weekly column for the paper in Portland, Maine, and uh, I give speeches for money. And uh, it's just extraordinary, but I'll... If I give six speeches a year, I make more money than I made in my whole year as a member of Congress. So, uh, But I it's very agree. clear that money isn't motivating you. So what's the message that's motivating you right now? Well, it is this, that I'm very happy that we've done as well as we did on LGBT rights. I want to remind people that we have to do more on racism and that we need to restore the belief of the voter 
in government as a way to improve the quality of our lives. And the way to do that is, and I'll be talking more and more about this as I have, cut military spending to a reasonable level, stop prosecuting people because of drugs. By the way, there's an overlap there because it is in the enforcement of the laws against recreational drugs that racism is at its worst in America. Whether it's cocaine or marijuana, there is a disproportionate prosecution of African-Americans for using drugs that white people also use. So that, for me, is a, a twofer. Will you be supporting Hillary? Yes. I don't understand this notion that she's not really a good liberal. Paul Krugman, who's the best writer of this, the brilliant economist who writes about public affairs, during the 2008 election made it very clear she was to Barack Obama's left on domestic policy. I was troubled about foreign policy. Well, she voted for the war in Iraq. The problem was it used to be that people thought if you're going to run for president as a Democrat, you had to show you were ready to go to war. So everybody who wanted to run for president voted for that stupid war in Iraq. John Kerry, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, Barack Obama Except was lucky. Except for our actual president now. Well, he was lucky. He wasn't in Senate then. God knows mm-hmm. what he would have done. Because, But he, he was been been, been uh, uh, better on this. But I, I find Hillary very good on the issues. And I particularly object when they say, oh, well, what about these, uh, these scandals, et cetera? I was on the House Banking Committee and then the House Judiciary Committee for eight years when all of those things were investigated. And I finally asked Kenneth Starr, who was the – he wanted to – get the Clintons the way Inspector Javert wanted to get Jean Valjean in Les Mis. Les Mis Law, I should talk about the novel, not the show. I mean, gay is one thing, but there was a novel before there was a nice musical. <laughs> but um, I got to ask him this question. Mr. Starr, you've investigated Whitewater, the suicide of Vincent Foster, the travel office, the FBI files, everything that's been involved. What have you found negative about the Clintons? Nothing. The only thing they found was that Bill Clinton had oral sex with Monica Lewinsky. No accusation against Hillary Clinton has ever had a scintilla of evidence behind it. So what you get is people have a series of false accusations, but 10 false accusations don't add up to one problem. Barney Frank, thank you so much for taking the time to come down here. Good, Good discussion. I thank you for those questions. They made me think. This is Abby Dees, and we've been talking with former congressman from Massachusetts, Barney Frank, about his new memoir, Frank, A Life in Politics from the Great Society to Same-Sex Marriage. That interview was just a tiny piece of a one-hour discussion that we had. No matter whether you agree with him or not, he is always provocative, always interesting. And he goes into great detail about all this stuff in his book, Frank, which, like I said, we can offer as a thank you for a pledge of $100 or more. Just give us a ring. And oh. mere $100. And what would you do to sweeten that deal, Abby? Well, we might be <laughs> able to throw in the entire interview, actually. The whole hour? The whole hour. You're that be, crazy. No, it's true. Would that be more than $100 to get the interview? No, oh. it would still be $100. It's you amazing. You spoil everybody, Abby. You I know. spoil them. I know. So top that, that Wenzel. I, I can't possibly. Not yet. And, of course... Folks, if What's you want to, if the number is. Oh, that's right, the number. Yeah, we t- <laughs> It's 818-985-5735, 818-985-5735, and those last four spell KPFK. So clever. I know. Or our listeners who spell. That's really yeah. cool. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite things of the last two decades was a film called Big Eden that came out in the year 2000. That seems so long ago. It, it 15 does. 15 years. <gasps> But it was like ahead of us time and envisioned a place in a small town where two guys, could, hapless gentlemen, could fall in love and the town would support them. And it was just beautiful. Like Eden? Eden the Beyond Eden? Yeah. What? Oh, nothing. I'm getting a cryptic mental message. I know. We are getting some cryptic messages. It's like the wormhole that Abby fell into. 
<laughs> She's fallen into the mental version. So of this it. is how you know we're live. So yeah, I I remember the name Begin, but hey, I, I was actually, talking. Oh, sorry. Okay, so let's get on to it. The film Begin has been 15 years. It's one of those few films that I really I've been excited. It's coming out on Blu-ray tomorrow. And uh, here's a little. Not, it's not a little. Almost an, this is in my interview bush. with the director Thomas Bazooka. Not in a moose. My name is Tom Bazooka, and I am the writer and director of Big Eden. Big Eden is a fictional town, my fantasy, of a place where there isn't just tolerance, but people are embraced, and they're not just included, but are part of the everyday family. Why can't you see how much love there is that people just want to pour on top of you? I can't help thinking that your grandma and I didn't do right by you somehow. Grandpa, don't say that. I feel like maybe we taught you something wrong, because... You won't tell me who you are. Did we teach you shame? Did I teach you that? No. Because it would break my heart if I had. Can't you see what a good job God did here? Hmm? Can't you see how beautiful it made you? What's the genesis of Big Eden? I was working in New York at the time for Ralph Lauren and... I'd been in New York for about 10 years. Suddenly, I wanted to change my life a little bit and also took a trip to Cody, Wyoming for work. Fell in love with the West. I'd also just read a book called Great Plains by Ian Frazier and discovered the music of Dwight Yoakam. So started concocting a fantasy of ditching New York, moving to the mountains and teaching art in an elementary school. That was going to be my goal. I obviously fell short of that mark because I just wrote a screenplay about it, I think was the, the way of exercising that fantasy. Did you have any sort of film background? None. Just sitting too close to the television growing up. So you were a first-time screenwriter and a novice director. What was the biggest challenge? I think it was the writing. For me, it was definitely the writing and just figuring out sort of the structure and... It's amazing how much having to edit a film that you've written will change the way you write. You don't have to have the guy get out of his car, walk to the door, walk in the door. I learned a lot in the editing process after the fact. It's just sort of figuring out the story and the threads. And I approach things a little differently. I'm really interested in the characters more than the story itself. And so it was an exploration of this Henry character played by Ari Gross and Pike Dexter, the owner of the general store, played by Eric Schweig, and their history and the history with the Tim Decay character, Dean. And I liked the idea of this community that was so tight together. They all knew each other, but there was sort of this unspoken thing about the Henry character, that he was gay and wasn't out, even though everybody knew. And that, and that was, I think, a big part of what was interesting to me about the story. I knew a person at the time who was not out. And in some ways, I feel like I wrote the whole movie in encouragement to come out and be known. It's sort of the line that the George Coe character, Sam, says to Henry. He says, why won't you tell me who you are? And that was a lot of the impetus for the writing of it. What was your biggest surprise making Big Eden? We shot predominantly in Glacier National Park. And part of gaining access to the park and filming rights was that you have to submit your script. And there was conversation I had with the producers about how much of the script to submit to the park. We were afraid of being turned away because it was gay-themed. And I felt, as did the producers, very strongly that we were asking 
people to let us into their homes. And we felt really strongly that we didn't want to betray that trust and that we needed to be upfront about what we were doing and let them then decide. So we submitted the script to the park and then (laughs) had to go meet with the head ranger. If you're shooting in the park, there always has to be a ranger on set. And we sat down with these park rangers. It was like five of them. And it was like a clan of walruses because they all had these mustaches and they had the hats and the uniforms. And I thought, here we go. And we said, so, you know, what do you think of the script? And they said, well, seems like very low impact on the park was their concern. But then also we were a little surprised that Henry ended up with Pike. We sort of figured he'd end up with Dean. So I was floored. That didn't matter to them. They just responded to it like it was anything else. And that was, I had the experience we had as a production on Big Eden in Montana with the locals. We were embraced. There's a scene we shot in an elementary school. The school board, we gave them the script. They agreed to let us shoot there. And it was also to have the local children from that school could be in the scene if they wanted to. And... The next town over is called Hungry Horse, and they have a very aggressive Aryan nation population. And the school started to get bomb threats, and they were being pressured to revoke our film rights to shoot there. And the school stood by us and said, you know, we're not changing anything. And people were going to pick it and all this sort of stuff. And in the end, nothing really happened. Um, but people stood by us, and that was really moving. And 15 years later, Big Eden's being re-released on Blu-ray. It looks great. I'm indebted to Wolf for doing it. I am in the unique position where, yeah, it's coming out on Blu-ray 15 years later. I still can't believe the movie got made in the first place. So imagine my surprise. This has been a conversation with Thomas Bazooka, writer-director of Big Eden. Find more info online at wolfvideo.com. This is Steve Pride. Thanks for listening. Such a beautiful film. I really enjoyed that film. And I can't wait to see it on Blu-ray. And for those of you who agree with me that this would be a great thing to see on Blu-ray. Give us a call. You give us a call at 818 985 Five seven three five eight one eight nine eight five. Anticipation here. Yeah. I know five seven three five. And for a lowly fifty dollar pledge, we will send you the Blu-ray of Big Eden as a thank you gift. And listening to the interview, I realize I have seen Big Eden. I totally love that movie, and it's shot in such beautiful country. Really? So on Blu-ray. With a great big TV, it'll be spectacular. I'm looking forward to that. It was a little ahead of its time. And yeah. Back in 2000, there were no stories like this. It was so sweet, but it was up against coming out stories, age stories. and We've also gotten so used to now just sort of the representation of our lives. But not that long ago, we were desperate for people to do these kinds of meaningful Frank representations. Capra sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. A $50 pledge, and it's a thank you gift to you, but really, we are so thankful for anything that you can do to help keep us on the air. We operate... Well, you would laugh if you do. <laughs> it is you warm in this room. We have the air conditioner turned off or something. It's really hot. 
the light outside the door, which we normally say on, off, on air, whatever, is broken. <laughs> so the we clock really don't is, know what's we happening. Need, we are not we spending help. the money gratuitously. No, no, we're not. And we are going to be here come hell or high water. Um, but anything that you can do to help that process along makes a big difference to us. And, well, it just makes us feel good for one. And, and no one in this room is paid. We are doing this for a love of radio and radio activism to give back to the community. And a belief in the story. We really do believe in these stories, which is why we can bring you these, you know, Barney Frank and these directors and all these people doing great stuff. And next community. week we have... We have Roberta Kaplan, and if that name sounds familiar, it is because she represented the wonderful, sexy Edie Windsor in the case United States versus Windsor, which was the case that kind of gutted DOMA and set the stage for the huge marriage case that we got this year. For 41 years, this show has gone there, done that before everyone else. We've been out loud and out proud, as we say in the intro, but one of our earliest interviews was... Don't look at me. Don't look at me. I wasn't there. Harvey Milk. <laughs> right I'm after sorry, his election, we got in the car and went, not we, but yeah. the people that were doing the show at the time went to San Francisco in their little love fiesta, hippie wagon, whatever, and interviewed him in his camera shop with a real rail record they lugged up there. We may be doing this on a shoestring, but we have always taken pride in doing those kinds of stories and not just going for the fluff, even though we like the fluff sometimes. We love the fluff. And we, we had Quentin Crisp, obviously, um, icon. We've had, we've had the most amazing people walk into this studio. Yes, we have. And we want to keep bringing those people to you. And after the break, we'll hear from Michelangelo Signorelli. We'll discuss the film In the Family. And we'll have live in the studio the literary director of Celebration Theater, Nathan Frizzell. See, not bluff, not bluff. We'll be right back. Mary's Medal, coming up now on the Rainbow Minute. After her service as a surgeon in the Civil War, Dr. Mary Edwards Walker resumed her unconventional lifestyle, even wearing men's clothes. Yet she was the first woman in history to receive a Congressional Medal of Honor. In 1917, the U.S. Congress changed the criteria for the medal to include, quote, actual combat with an enemy, and Dr. Walker's medal was revoked. Walker refused to return the medal and wore it illegally every day until her death in 1919. For years, friends and family lobbied to have Walker's medal reinstated, and in 1977, President Jimmy Carter signed an order doing just that, citing Walker's, quote, distinguished gallantry and self-sacrifice, despite the apparent discrimination because of her sex. Today, Dr. Walker's medal is on display at the Pentagon. The Rainbow Minute is produced by Judd Proctor and Brian Burns and recorded in the studios at WRIR in Richmond, Virginia, and read by volunteers like me, Josh Behrman. Hello, I'm Barney Frank, and you are listening to IMRU Radio Magazine, out front and out loud since 1974, on KPFK-FM, 90.7 Los Angeles, 98.7 Santa Barbara, 99.5 Ridcrest, China Lake, 93.7 San Diego, or streaming online at kpfk.org. Laura Ingalls. What's the matter, Laura? Sad because you're poor? 
Pa says no one is poor as long as there's public radio. Pa says as long as a body can listen to the likes of KPFK. Your pa may have great hair, but he's just a stupid farmer. When's the last time you saw a radio in Walnut Grove? See what happens when people don't call in their pledges? When's the last time you saw a phone in Walnut Grove? Honestly, Laura Ingalls, do they call you half-pint because of the size of your brain? Not only does KPFK have arts, culture, and news, they have I Am Are You, the oldest gay and lesbian show in the country. Or even the city. What's a lesbian? I'm not sure. But you have real pretty hair, Nellie Olson. Real pretty. That's my favorite fun drive bit. So I look forward every fun drive to doing that. Alison Arngram was in the studio, and we wrote it on a napkin, and she voiced both voices. She's both Nellie Olson, and she is... See, that's acting. That is acting. She's an actor. She's an amazing creature. She is. Well, welcome back. You're listening to I'm Ready Radio. I am Steve Pride. I'm Abby Dees. And I'm Wenzel Jones. And by now, you've probably realized that we are on a fun drive. If you're just tuning in, newsflash, we're on a fun drive. And if you're keeping score here, so far we've offered up the DVD of In the Family for $50, the Blu-ray release of Big Eden for $50. For $100, you could get the Barney Frank book, A Life in Politics from the Great Society to Same-Sex Marriage, and... A special bonus interview with between Barney Frank and myself. That lasts a whole delicious hour. Just about. And by get, you mean as a thank you present because we're just such nice people. Because it's just a thank you. Just our way of saying we respond to money. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're that, that we shallow. Do. And we need well, it. Well, we need to keep the lights on. It's and hard to work in the dark. We could try it, I guess, but I am not really And there's right. another book. It's Not Over, Getting Beyond Tolerance, Defeating Homophobia, and Winning True Equality by Michelangelo Signorelli. So give us a call at 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-5735. And you can have any of these delightful items that we have offered so far. And why should they call? I can listen to this show for free. Yes, but... <laughs> Uh-oh. And that's true. I'm putting you right on the spot. Yeah, these, yeah. Steve just sort of said, why should, why should we pay? Tangles with Barney Frank and Roberta you know Kaplan. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. And truly, it makes a difference. It keeps us going. It has been people like you that have kept this show on the air since 1974. And this show, for a lot of people, was and still is a sanctuary, a place where they know they're going to get the the full story and really get connected to this community that we are all a part of. And we also have to ask, what would the city be like without this show? There is nothing else like There's it. There's no L.A. And I remember when I first moved to L.A. and I stumbled across this show on the radio, and I thought, they can do that on the radio? They're all gay, and they're saying they're gay on the radio? Yep, we are, telling my mother and everything. I know. This was a, a, quite a few decades ago. <clears throat> but anyway. <laughs> well, it's like one of my friends are always telling me, Steve, get out of your chair. So do more than listen. Become an active participant with your public radio station through a contribution to help support what we do here at KPFK. Um, next up, though, I want to talk about – we just heard from the Blue Eden director. Blue mm-hmm. Eden. Big Eden, sorry. But there's another film that I kind of love called In the Family that has just come out on DVD as well. And I had a chance to talk to the director of that, and he is a marvelous fellow. Patrick Wang's debut film, In the Family, has received almost universal acclaim from critics, including the New York Times, 
Variety, and Roger Ebert, who called it an indie masterpiece. So I couldn't wait to meet the film's neophyte writer, director, producer, and star. My name is Patrick Wang. I'm the director of In the Family. It's a film about these two dads raising a kid in Tennessee. The biological father passes away. And in the six years they were together in raising this kid, uh, he had never changed his will. Cody left all his assets in my name so that he could see that Chip was taken care of by me. I'm telling you, I can take care of Chip. There's no problem. You don't think I can take care of Chip? Uh, Joey, no. It's just, it's what Cody wanted. Oh, you can't be telling me Cody thought I couldn't take care of Chip. Aline, this is from 2002. Chip was just a baby. It's his will, Joey. I'm sorry he never changed it. He He had six years to change it, and he didn't. And so custody goes to his sister. So the film is about this other father who, in the eyes of the law, doesn't have any rights, trying to find a way back into his kid's life. Joey was welcomed and accepted by Chip's family during their life together. But after Chip dies, so does the acceptance. Sometimes when you love someone, you will make a much harder effort for something. And certain things like tolerance of people will survive. But when that center, and this happens in families for all sorts of issues, you know, not just of acceptance, but when a center of a family is gone, um, dynamics change and different parts of people express themselves differently. In the Family is unique. With its low-budget look, Static camera work and nearly three hours length, the film begs to be hated. But as I watched, that became impossible. You know what's crazy, Steve, is there was a time, there were about six months in the life of this movie where nobody liked the movie. Mostly it was people who were seeing it in the industry, but nobody liked the movie. And I thought, well, you know, let me just get it out in front of critics, let me get it out in front of audiences. And, and let them have a say, because I was still convinced this was a tremendous movie, a rare movie, and that people would get an experience out of it that they usually didn't get out of movies. And so we opened, and in some ways we got lucky. We got very mature reviewers that were open-minded enough to look at it and see the possibility of something great. Sometimes if things don't come through the standard pipeline, don't have the standard seals of approval, people will dismiss it. But these people did not. And so I feel in one ways we were very lucky, and uh, I am tremendously grateful to them. But I love seeing in the theaters the range of people that come in, of all ages, backgrounds, some people that come in by accident, and they surprise themselves. You know, it's not a movie they thought they would like, either because of the content or the length or something else. But it gets its hooks into them, and it becomes a very personal thing, and it lives with them afterwards. It's not a disposable movie. Mr. Roby, Mrs. Hines, if you like, you can see Mr. Hines now. He's not conscious, but you can sit with him for a few minutes if you like. Yes, I'd like that. Yes. This way, Mrs. Hines. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Williams. Only family members are allowed to visit at this time. Oh, so now I can't see him. I mean, we're a family. I'm sorry, Mr. Williams. No, Joey. No, uh, it's okay. Chip, go with Grandma Sally, okay? This has been a conversation with Patrick Wang, 
writer, director, producer, and star of In the Family. For more information, visit InTheFamilyTheMovie.com. This is Steve Pride. Thanks for listening. That was a fabulous song, and I, I really adore the director. And if you would like to avail yourself of any of our pledge gifts tonight, just call 818-985-5735. And pledge $50, and we will send you, because we love you, a thank you gift of this film on DVD. And it is a heartbreakingly beautiful film, which luckily, luckily, the situation is less and less happening, I guess. That's not a very good grammar thing, but... Things are getting better. Things are getting better. Although we'll find we have out a next way to week go. With we'll find out exactly how good things are right now. In the meantime, one of the other amush-bush <laughs> items we had was my interview with Michelangelo Cinarelli, who I have known now for 20 years. Oh, my gosh. I know. And he's not aged a day. I have aged... No. Many pounds. <laughs> but I've gotten better does. and better apps on my phone that do Photoshop. Mm-hmm. So let's hear it. The gay agenda has been set more and more by the large nonprofits. Were they on the right track to assume that don't ask, don't tell, and marriage were the top priorities for all of us? I think people sometimes confuse what the agenda was of the large groups and what the agenda of the grassroots has been. The large groups certainly co-opt issues, particularly the human rights campaign, once they see victory and then they want to own it. So marriage and don't ask, don't tell really were not the priorities of HRC going back 15 and 20 years ago. They were focused on ENDA the Employment Non-Discrimination Act, which we still have not gotten past with its very broad and dangerous religious exemption. And I argue in It's Not Over that marriage was driven from the grassroots. Sometimes movements have to go where the energy is. People wanted to get married. It started with the Hawaii case, and legal advocates helped them and moved that ahead. And in the beginning, HRC and these groups were just totally in a panic because they said, this is going to cause a backlash. We're trying to get into past, and you're asking for this outlandish thing, and it's going to you know, be crazy. And yes, it did cause a backlash. Hawaii passed a, a, a bill that allowed lawmakers to define marriages between a man and a woman. The Defense of Marriage Act was passed. Bill Clinton signed it. There was certainly a backlash, but you sort of can't slip in the back door, you know. You have to move forward and demand your rights, and there will be a backlash. The question is, how prepared are you to fight it? We can all go back and debate. They were all in a panic and ran away. They could have battled better in Hawaii. They could have battled better with Bill Clinton. Nonetheless, it needed to happen now later then, and the same with Don't Ask, Don't Tell. That was story after story of military person, you know, thrown out of the military and really pushing on this. Um, As there would start to be victories, and as you saw some softening among conservatives, certainly on Don't Ask, Don't Tell, then these groups like HRC sort of take it as, oh, this is our issue now, marriage. But that really wasn't their issue. And 
now, okay, marriage is done. Don't as Odell is done. We need a federal civil rights bill. And as of just last year, they were still pushing the same ENDA that they still haven't gotten passed. It's interesting what the groups try to do in corralling the grassroots when they should be letting the grassroots lead and being the facilitators. And I argue that everything we have won has been because of the grassroots. And the grassroots activists and people across the country coming together have really been the ones, they are the ones that got President Obama to stop defending DOMA in court. They are the ones who got him to put Don't Ask, Don't Tell on the agenda. People chained themselves to the gate to the White House. People interrupted his speeches. The HRC wasn't really, they were accommodating and excusing him and apologizing, not just President Obama, but all the Democrats. For a while there, they had not just the entire Congress, but a short period of a supermajority. They got the hate crimes bill passed then, but there was a lot more they could have gotten done. David Axelrod revealed in his new book that Obama was always for marriage equality, despite his earlier statements, that there was no evolving, just revealing. Yeah, and that just tells me that, especially with our allies, we cannot allow them room to not advocate on our behalf because, oh, we should be very aware of how they have to maneuver in Congress. We need to be demanding it constantly. And I think every other progressive cause now looks at what LGBT activists did and says, damn it, we should have done that. Environmentalists are saying we should have been protesting from day one. Now, when we were protesting from day one, and it started with Rick Warren, right, (laughs) being brought in as the uh, guy who gave the invocation at the inauguration, they were saying, oh, this is terrible. Give the guy a chance. Well, they gave him a chance, and he didn't get stuff done. Then they started protesting finally, Keystone and, and other issues. The Dreamers as well, I think, and immigration activists saw what the gay rights activists were doing, and they got very aggressive and did the right thing. Now it's sort of the opposite with Hillary Clinton. They're pushing hard on her, and we're sort of, you know, the gay rights groups are all sort of backing her without even getting any uh, promises from her. And we're back. So if you would like a copy of Michelangelo Signorelli's book, It's Not Over, Getting Beyond Tolerance, Defeating Homophobia, and Winning True Equality, you need but call and pledge $100, and it can be yours. And to make that call, you dial 818-985-5735, 818-985-5735. It's a really important book. I mean, the interview itself was probably like an hour, maybe an hour and a half. And it's just so many things are raised in that book that are so true, and especially this part I loved, about how we have these organizations, these nonprofits that are really deciding what the agenda is for us. Oh, that's the end of your sentence. Okay. (laughs) It just had that sense that he was going to sum that up into something so brilliant and I could barely breathe. I thought that was just a moment to to ponder that. Yeah, and the the blank look on my face. I know. And we pondered. And just when you think... How many more enticements can there be? Well, we have one more. If you call and pledge $200, you can get a season subscription to the Celebration Theater. Now, it's, and we have Nathan Frizzell, who's the literary manager here in studio, because 
I'm going to he's ask him a question. He's literally here. He's literally in Hello, front I mean, of us. I, yeah, in the flesh. I know, and thank you so much for coming. Thank you now, for is me. Celebration the oldest in the city or the oldest in the country? It is the oldest in the city for sure, mm-hmm. as far as LGBT theater goes. Uh, theaters go. Uh, mm-hmm. It is also, I believe, it's the oldest in the country still existing. Right. I think there were... But you were homeless for a while because I would see Celebration people standing at the off-ramp. That's right. <laughs> we, were, and... we were literally homeless from the end of 2013 till just August of this year. Due to skyrocketing rents and development in, in West Hollywood, we were sort of basically forced from our home of about 20 years. Which is now a pot shop. It is a, it is a <laughs> yes, it's a marijuana dispensary now. It is. A medical marijuana dispensary. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we left there. And, you know, it's a really tough time in the city right now for small theaters in general between the assault that Actors' Equity is bringing on us and then rents in general. It's just hard. So we weren't really sure where we were going to go, but we are back. Um, we're we're planning on being bigger than ever, and you, you haven't home, gone far. No, your new home's right in Hollywood. Yep, we're we're right next to the Gay and Lesbian Center on Santa Monica and McCadden. How uh, madly convenient is that? I know, right? We're literally four four and a half blocks over from the old space, so we're Santa Monica and Highland, basically, where we are. So now, if somebody calls in pledges for the rest of the season, what delights will they be seeing? One well, of which is in rehearsal right now as we speak. Well, we're offering four subscriptions to the upcoming season, which opens on October thirtieth of this. Well, obviously this month because it is October. <laughs> uh, the first show that we're going to be premiering is called Booty Candy. Say no more. I want the T-shirt. Right. I mean, <laughs> I when the, the moment that they told me that title, I was I was like sold. I don't even know what the play is about, but I want to do it. It's by a playwright named Robert O'Hara. It's a Los Angeles premiere. Mm -hmm. Uh, We didn't know that we were going to be the first people to get that because it was being courted by a number of the larger theaters in the city. I won't say them, but they were much, much bigger than than Celebration as far as size and wealth. Mm -hmm. But they passed for whatever reason, and we snuck right in there and got it, and we're very excited. It's going to be a very funny show, and it explores what it means to be black and queer in our current community and climate. We follow that up with Dream Boy uh, by Eric Rosen, adapted from Jim Grimsley's gothic novel. It's sort of a twisted coming age but beautiful love story. Um, and that opens January of 2016. I love that book. There was a movie of it that was not quite as successful, so I'm really, oh, really? looking forward. The movie was not didn't do very well, oh. but I'm very looking forward to seeing the play. Was it called Dream Boy as well? Yeah. Oh. Well, it's... it's. Uh, I learned so much when I come to the radio station. <laughs> <laughs> Both Dream Boy and Booty Candy will be directed by Michael Matthews, one of our co-artistic directors who's also... Uh, innovation award-winning uh, director and one of the most talented people working in Los Angeles theater right now. Smart as a whip and damn good-looking. Right? Isn't exactly. You know, sweet as a button. Uh, sweet as a button? Is that what it is? Cute as a button. Sweet as a, cute as a button. Sweet, as, sweet a, as a... Whatever. Stop eating your buttons. A, cu- <laughs> a cookie. Uh, and then we're going to be closing our what is our 32nd season with The Boy from Oz. Which, <gasps> oh, uh, you're kidding. Just Yeah, absolutely. Judging oh, by wow. your reaction, pretty much everybody knows The Boy from Oz by now. I know you. Yeah, it's Peter Allen. That's right. Peter is that Allen. the right name? Yep, that's right. Thank that's you. Absolutely it right. came out so quickly, I thought it was wrong. And that is going to be directed by our other co-artist director, Michael Shepard. And, and that is a musicale of The First Water. That's It's huge. We, we That was another one that we were like, we want this show, we want this show, we want this show. Are we going to get the rights for this show? And you know what? We got it, and we're so excited. It's it, We can't think of a better way to close out our, our first season in our new space. And that's going to be a tricky bit of casting because you not only need a Peter Allen to carry the show practically single-handedly, but you get Eliza Minnelli too. We, we've <laughs> got our work cut out for us, but um, you know we're, we're hungry. We're back and we're ready to show that Celebration Theater is is ready to not only continue to provide 
what it's always provided, but also bring something new to the table. Sure. And you don't want to miss out on these things, so call and get your subscription now. Call 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-5735. And for a scant $200, two C-notes, two Ben Franklins, you could have entree into all of these shows. Now, are there any um, like late-night shows? Do they get thrown into the It's great that you mentioned that, actually, because we just closed our first... We actually opened uh, Celebration with a late night show, which was a sketch comedy show that we, we, we closed on Saturday night called Kim Jong Funner, which is a sequel to the last sketch comedy show that we did uh, that was our final performance in the last space uh, called Kim Jong Fun. And I believe to, you were in this. I was. I've been uh, part of the celebration, unofficial celebration sketch comedy group for eight years, eight or nine years now. It's directed and led by Todd Milliner, who is the executive producer of Hot in Cleveland, uh, The Soul Man on TV Land, uh, Crowded, which is the new show on NBC that's just about to premiere, uh, Sean Saves the World, which just ended last year, Hollywood Game Night. It's a very prolific man in television, one of the best comedy directors and producers in television right now doing our show. We sold out every show. We're going to be bringing more and more shows like that to our late night series throughout the season as part of the subscription that we're offering for this uh, pledge drive. Uh, the subscriptions also come with discount uh, on the ticket prices themselves, no service fees when you sign up for the subscriptions, and you get one late night included in with the main stage shows as part of the subscription of your choice. And do you have any idea, is Celebration going to keep the relationship with these people who are doing, we talked about Chaz Bono in a show earlier, but it, it was the condensed 30-minute musical versions of movies like Roadhouse. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Uh, 30 Minute Musicals, we we consider one of our, our partner companies. We love them. Uh, they are currently, they're about to actually open uh, this week, uh, Back to the Future. They're, oh. They're Back to the Future. It's actually going to be their trilogy. Uh, they're doing all three in one. And, and in 30 minutes? In 30 minutes. That's oh right. My. And so we're they're definitely coming back. I believe if they don't come back after Booty Candy, they will be back after Dream Boy. So. You know, one of the things I love when you were off Offline, I guess. Right. Was I would go to the West Hollywood Library for your reading series. That was fantastic. Exactly. That's one of the things that we sort of, uh, that I as literary director sort of insisted on while we were gone. It's like we can't just like look for a new space and, and, and leave it at that. We have to stay relevant. We have to let people know that Celebration is very much indeed here. Uh, and so we still continue to do a series that we started right as we were leaving our old space called Celebrating New Works, which is a monthly new play reading series that we present at the West Hollywood City Chambers on the third Tuesday of every month. Uh, it is it is our attempt to find new voices in the community, not just for LGBT playwrights, but also for allied playwrights that just have something to say uh, to our community right now. And it's been very successful up to now. Uh, we've we've I think we've introduced about 15 new plays uh, in the last two years. And uh, we've got uh, the next one coming up is uh, this month, October 20th at the Chambers. It's called Life in Limbo. It's a great new, uh, great new show, and we're just trying to introduce new things and trying to get new playwrights, new voices out there in the community. And you know you want to be a part of this all, so give us a call and pledge. For only $200, this can all be yours, and the number is 818-985-5735. Now, Nathan, you said you were the literary director. Yes. Which sounds so fancy and <laughs> Oxfordian practice. What does it do? What do you do? I'm in, I my purview is to uh, produce celebrating new works that we just talked about. We're all, we're also going to be reintroducing our uh, 
uh, playwriting workshop called CT Tuesdays next year, uh, which is what we basically we have three tiers of development for plays at Celebration. We want to introduce uh, these these plays that we start that we take from just small readings and make them main stage productions. That's how we found uh, the homo- I'm sorry, not the homosexuals, uh, Revolver, which was one of our, our final seasons before we left our old space. We found that as a reading. And what we want to do is we want to take it as a reading and we want to help it grow. We want to develop it. We want to put it into a workshop. Then we wanted to get it ready for either our main stage or some other theater companies, hopefully ours, but, you know, it can, we don't mandate that it has to be ours. So I'm also a producer of CT Tuesdays and celebrating new works. Um, I also assist the artistic directors in putting together a season should they need my help. How do you find a play? Like what, when you decide this is the production we're going to put our energy into, what are the criteria? How do you get to that point? Well, we're very, we're very fortunate in that because Celebration Theater is so well known uh, throughout the country, we do have a lot of blind submissions. Uh, we also have a lot of submissions from our friends in the theater community who say, we think this piece would be terrific for Celebration Theater. So, you know, we take submissions through our website, which is celebrationtheater.com. Uh, playwrights can submit through there uh, via email or just off the website itself. That's how, that's the main way. We just have a, a wealth of, of uh, scripts being turned into us. And that's where we've discovered a lot of these plays from the, the reading series itself. And you, I, I'm sorry, no, go. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, it sounds like you're sort of spoiled for choice. I mean, I'm kind of glad to hear that. We are. Is that your sense that this is, that, that this voice is growing and getting bigger and better? I hope so. I mean, that's that's one of the reasons why I, I think even even as we get busier and busier with our main stage season, that, that, that this reading series continues to be as important as it was when we had no space. Because we, we are faced with an embarrassment of riches right now, and I hope that that continues. We've got, uh, uh, we've got a community out there that wants their voices heard, and that's, that's what we're trying to do. Would and I be wrong in saying that actually losing your lease seems to have kick-started um, more interest in celebration. Well, you know, it's definitely it definitely opened our eyes to the fact that not only uh, are we doing the right things, not only was celebration doing the right things and that everybody wanted us back, but that we also have to change. We have to change with the times. We have to grow. We have to evolve. Uh, we want to stay true and loyal to the audience that we've always had, but we also want to find a newer audience. We want to get younger people into the theater. We want to, to have more of an online presence. Um, and that's one of the things that being homeless taught us is that we, we've got to stay relevant somehow. And celebration was the birthplace of a little bit of history when they found themselves in dire straits once they thought what puts butts in seeds musicals and naked men and that gave us naked boys singing which is now all over the world and if you want to be a part of this history give us a call and pledge two hundred dollars eight one eight nine eight five five seven three five i want to give a shout out real quickly to two of our imruers vosh bodhi who was in the Key West Company of Naked Boys Singing, who is mm. one of our co-hosts here, as well as Christine Eastwood, who is out tonight as well, who is a member of their company. Christine is one of our website. beloved company members. I think she's terrific. I'm so happy to have her as part of the company. Well, thank you so much for coming and helping us out tonight. It was a pleasure delightful to meet you. And I love talking about Celebration because when I first moved to L.A., I was in a Celebration theater show when they were on Hoover. Oh, wow. You could hear the bus stop right on the other side of the wall. <laughs> it was magical. Well, that's before we left our old space, you could hear a rock band above us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it was, I know. It, theater, it's magic. Well, and Celebration Theater is much like IMRU. Nobody's in it for the money. That's absolutely right. Steve? What? Oh, we are still in fun drive. We have a few minutes left before the end of the show. The number here is 818-985-5735. Please support us. 985 985- Five seven three five. Shall we hit the highlights of the pledge uh, 
I want I also want to go pledge prize, and that's so I not even pledge, the right pledge. Thank you gifts. Yeah, exactly. So we have in the family a DVD for fifty dollars. Big Eden, which is one of Steve's favorite films, a Blu-ray disc for a pledge of fifty dollars. We have the Barney Frank book, Frank: A Life in Politics from the Great Society to Same-Sex Marriage for a hundred dollars, and that is being sweetened with Abby's hour-long interview with Mr. Frank. Yeah, fascinating. Which interview. is a brilliant interview, by the way. What? It's well, really thank be- you, but she, it wasn't me; it was him. She's our smart one. <laughs> and we also have, for a pledge of $100, the book It's Not Over by Michelangelo Signorelli, Getting Beyond Tolerance, Defeating Homophobia, and Winning True Equality. That's not too much to ask. And last but not least, a season subscription to Celebration Theater for a scant $200. And you heard about the wonderful shows upcoming. And um, give us a call. It's 818-985-5735. Those last four spell KPFK. 818-985-5735. And something I like to throw out there because times are hard in this yes. country right now and a lot of people don't have the scratch. But this, for those of you who do, think about giving a little more just to make up for your neighbors and your friends who would love to do it, but they can't. If anybody out there has a long-running series on television right now, consider us. <laughs> They've a got to be out there. Of its own kind. I know. They are out there. They're certainly in LA. I know. Why do we always turn to look at Steve? I don't know <laughs> why we're Steve, doing this. And then he looks back at us. I know. Right. And then we, just so you know what's going on. right here right now. I moved it's because we don't want it to end. I know. Well, it looks but like he's organizing. It looks like he's on the threshold of something genius, and then it turns out he's just wondering, mm, what are they talking about? No, I, I would point out the obvious. We're member-driven, member-supported radio, which means that you, the listeners, are what keeps us going. So, if you want to be a member here, I believe that price is that twenty-five dollar contribution. I believe so. Is it? I think so. And Not then you get to vote. Twenty-five dollars, correct? And you get to vote. We have elections coming up, and um, just being a member is support support us. We have elections the way we have pledge drives. But we haven't had one in a long time, and this one's really going to happen. I'm very excited. Excellent. So, yeah, KPFK, it's a valuable asset to the community, and we are a valuable asset to your community. Yeah, there's no wall between our audience and our content. We're in this community together, and we're going down this path together. And, you know, we talked about these uh, pledge thank you gifts, but honestly, anything that you feel moved to give to us, we sincerely appreciate. It makes a difference. We used, make- to have a, we used to have a card that would go to donate your car or your plane. It's you like can donate if you your have plane. a car or a plane to donate, we'll take it. Just don't park in a handicap. That's all I'm saying. And no pledge too small. If you want to just give $10 just out of the goodness of your heart, we would be happy to take that. You know, it just means a lot to know that we matter to you. And any way that you can send that message to us, as long as it's legal, we'll take it. Well, that's the end of our ride. They are thanks tonight to uh, our director, Matthew McLaughlin. Who is feeling poorly but came down anyway. Bless you, Matthew. He's a prince. And he's happy that we survived. We made it through this another show. Um, also, a thank you to coordinating producer Steve Pride standing right here and our Rainbow Minute producers Jed Proctor and Brian Burns. And a special thank you to everyone supporting this show tonight and, and you. to our guest. And follow us on Facebook at IMRU Radio where the link to the latest show is posted by noon every Wednesday. And while you're there, give us a like.
Oh, yeah. We'll be tabling at San Gabriel Valley Pride this Saturday from 11 a.m. until 6 p.m. in Pasadena Memorial Park. Come on down. And just a little tease for next week's show. I will be talking with uh, Roberta Kaplan, who's the attorney that represented the amazing Edie Windsor in the United States versus Windsor case that ended DOMA as we know it. That's going to be exciting. It's going to be a great interview. Well, we're closing our show with a fun drive mashup of Breath of Can You Spare a Dime and Ten Cents a Dance. Good night. Good night. Once I built a railroad, made it run, made it race against time. Once I built a railroad, now it's done. Brother, can you spare a dime? Once I built a tower to the sun, brick and rivet and lime. Once I built a tower, now it's done. Brother, can you spare ten cents a dance? That's what they pay me, gosh, how they weigh me down. Ten cents a dance Pansies and rough guys Tough guys who tear my gown Seven to midnight I hear drums Loudly the saxophone blows Trumpets are tearing my eardrums Sometimes I think I found my hero, but it's a queer romance. All that you need is a ticket. Come on, big boy, ten cents. Say, don't you remember they called me It was Al all the time Say, don't you remember I'm your pal Come on, big boy Ten cents